Hello and welcome to the We'll Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington, and we are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Why don't you learn more about faith? Go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. This month of November, this whole month, our preaching theme is Generous Living. We're going to talk about stewardship, Christian stewardship, generosity, what the Bible says and what it doesn't say about things like money, charity, tithing, what it looks like to follow Jesus regarding our finances. So today we're going to look at two uh, readings from the Bible, and I'm going to give you four takeaways. Let's start with a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we'll take a look at a gospel reading from the end of Mark chapter 12. So please find your Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. First, let's pray. It's an old hymn uh, about stewardship. It's a prayer to God. We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that I have is thine alone, O God, a trust from thee. May we thy bounties thus as stewards to receive, and gladly, as thou blessest us, to thee our first fruits give. Amen. A reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at the first verse. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, through, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Here ends the reading. And the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 38. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. And then Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. And a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this woman, this poor widow, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A few years back, I applied for a job as the Director of Development at Marcus Daly Memorial Hospital. I applied to be a fundraiser. I'd been working there as a chaplain, a hospice chaplain, for several years. And this job would have been a move up in the organization, full-time, benefits, all that stuff. People asked me then if I was comfortable being a fundraiser. My answer then and now is that I usually talk to people about things like religion or about death all the time. So to talk to people about money, huh, money's easy. It's just money. Well, I didn't get the job. That's okay. When thinking about fundraising, development, stewardship, the Bible forms my understanding of fundraising and money, of all these things, of generous living, generous giving. And today's reading from 2 Corinthians 8, chapters 8 and 9, it's two chapters in which the Apostle Paul lays out a theology of Christian giving. Giving, giving generously. It's a privilege granted by God And it's a proof of our gratitude and love for the God who has enriched us to give. That's Christian stewardship. Christians, you see, we see charity, almsgiving, and tithing. These are opportunities to praise God and to bless others. Entirely on their own, Paul says of the Macedonian church, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. 2 Corinthians is a pastoral letter. Paul has some things he wants to teach his congregation about, uh, things he wants to share with his congregation. He's also raising money. He's raising money for widows and orphans in Jerusalem. He's asking these mission congregations like this one in Corinth, like the one in Macedonia. He's asking them to give a special love offering that he and Titus can, can deliver back to the home office in Jerusalem. He was, he was thrilled with the response that he had received in the Macedonian church. And so he challenges the church at Corinth to match their enthusiasm. You excel in everything, Paul says to the Corinthian church, in faith and speech and knowledge, earnestness and love. See also that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is about practice. It's about becoming closer to and more like Jesus. It's what the Christian life is all about. And so we practice prayer. We practice worship. We practice serving others. And we practice giving. And, and Paul says that as you're growing in these areas in your life in Christ, he says to the people in, in Corinth, as you're growing in these areas of your life in Christ, excel also in the grace of giving. Not because you have to, but because you can. And this last part, that last part is absolutely key. Christian giving is voluntary. We don't have tithing requirements. And we certainly don't threaten damnation. Uh, a little bit of peer pressure, sure. Paul can, can kind of compare uh, Corinth to Macedonia and, and uh, try to maybe, maybe encourage them a little bit. But, but no coercion. Giving is a gift itself. The opportunity to give is a grace from God. It's kind of like the the disclaimer, no goods or services were received in exchange for this charitable donation. 
It is as the hymn puts it. We give thee but thine own, O God, whatever the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. So may we thy bounties thus as as stewards true receive, and gladly as thou blessest us, to thee our first fruits give. The part of that job that I would have been really bad at is the schmoozing with the wealthy donors. Now, just outside of Hamilton, Montana, is this kind of like super elite country club called the Stock Farm. The hospital wanted to cater to these donors as well, of course, and and that's a whole different ballgame. There are expectations. I can't remember exactly why I was at some function and I was introduced to one of the largest hospital donors. Lovely home, lovely lady. As I was introduced to this woman, she put her right hand out, sort of palm down, and I instinctively reached out and, and gave it a good firm handshake, just like I'd been taught. And she looked at me with a sort of mix of horror and humor and displeasure. I, I, I don't know what I did wrong, but she did. And I remember just this feeling of being out of my league. There are rules here in this kind of level of society that I don't understand. Fact is that wealth and charitable giving has always been, well, complicated. Today, I mean, we worry when politicians receive large gifts from, from certain donors, right? And back in Paul's day, most of his peers had sponsors. They called them benefactors, a wealthy backer who paid the bills and, and in exchange gained honor, prestige, influence, and maybe even brownie points with the big guy upstairs. Well, things haven't changed all that much in 2,000 years. Today, we continue to talk about donations as strategic, uh, a tax write-off, good PR, A certain donation gets you a plaque on the wall or a wing named after you. You're a benefactor, an influencer, a pillar of the community, a real humanitarian. The hospital owes you a debt of thanks. Your generosity is noted in the paper or at the stock farm or in your obituary. She was a generous supporter of Marcus Daly Memorial Hospital. And to win the big gifts from members of the stock farm, well, a good director of development needed to have a nice suit, witty anecdotes, get invited to the right parties, and know the secret handshake. Or as Jesus puts it in the gospel lesson, it helps to be the sort who likes to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, have the most important seats in the synagogue and places of honor at dinner parties. Watch out for these guys, Jesus warns. They'll devour your, your household if you let them in. Now, make no mistake, charitable giving is good. Generous living is good. Tithing, alms, almsgiving is commanded, or at least commended in the Bible. Raising money, getting paid to raise money for good causes is honorable work. It's biblical. The Apostle Paul does it. He regularly appeals to churches like the church at Corinth to remember the poor, to take a weekly collection, to support the newer churches. But he never uses coercion or deceit. The alarm twisting, maybe, but never coercion or deceit. And it's never about getting brownie points or a plaque on the wall. Christian generosity. We give for the sake of the neighbor in response to God's provision. 
Generosity is something that wells up and spills over. Generosity is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a defining characteristic of the God who created us, loves us, has a purpose for us. The God revealed in Jesus Christ, who, as Paul says, though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. What does that even mean? Well, to get a better handle on what this means, let's look at that encounter again at the temple treasury, the one that involves the widow and her last two cents. So back in, at the end of chapter 12 of the Gospel of Mark, it does seem a bit odd that Jesus would be so quick to commend a, wo- a widow's small but costly offering right after he's criticized those who prey on widows for personal gain, those who devour widows' households and for a show make lengthy prayers. It's an odd placement of the story, and it's an odd story. There's actually three other things about it that oh, Jesus kind of... I don't know, create a little faux pas there. I mean, first, here we have Jesus watching people give money to the temple. I mean, really, can you imagine if Jesus were watching how much money we put into the offering plate every week? I mean, after all, who does he think he is? Second, he makes sure that his followers see how much money other people are giving to the temple. I mean, really, can you imagine that if today followers of Jesus openly talked about stewardship and what it means to be generous? What if giving patterns were a matter of public record and if talking about stewardship and money and giving wasn't taboo but was part of a larger picture of what it means to be a disciple and how it is that people can respond to God's gifts? What if we talked about it in a way that people could celebrate uh, the, the grace of giving? That's just crazy. Third, third, Jesus lifts up this gift of two copper pennies as an example for giving. And as a result, we sometimes use this story to talk about how, quote, even the smallest gift makes a difference. But the problem is that she's not singled out for the smallness of her gift, but for the fact that this is all she has left, that she gives all that she has And if the lesson of the widow's might is that we should all give away all of our money, all that we have to live on, well, at the very least, that's not a sustainable business model. And it's a little disturbing and very challenging. So what is it about this widow or her offering that gets Jesus excited? Maybe it was just refreshing for Jesus to watch somebody give an offering quietly without trying to draw others' attention or praise. Maybe Jesus senses the grief and the loss that this woman had experienced and and marvels at her faith, her determination, her dedication. Maybe he does want us to know that the size of the gift is less important than the motive behind the gift. But I also think this is, and maybe primarily, this is, well, this is about Jesus, about Jesus' ministry, about his genera- generous living. What if this is a living parable, a parable about what God is like? The kingdom of God, after all, is like a widow who puts her last two cents into the temple treasury. She puts more into the treasury than all the others, for the others give out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she has to live on, Those who have ears, let them hear. 
See, the woman, the way that the woman gives away all that she has to live on, well, that's what God is like. That's what Jesus does on the cross. He gives his all, his last two cents. Jesus doesn't lay down a part of who he is as part uh, out of his wealth. Jesus puts it all out there. God doesn't hold anything back. If we want to understand the gift of God in Jesus Christ, then look at this widow putting her livelihood in the offering plate. The widow shows us the nature of God. And I think that's what Paul meant when he says about Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus is the good donor, not one who gives a portion of his wealth, but the one who becomes poor and gives it all away. Jesus is the good donor, and so the price has been paid for us. Jesus foots the bill. Jesus invites us to the party. Jesus meets us where we're at, with no dress codes and no secret handshake. Only grace. Only grace. Well, four brief takeaways. First, Christian stewardship really is cool. It really is cool. A generous living based on God's rich provision and amazing love, it's liberating and energizing. The song says, We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that I have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Learning to be generous stewards, seeing it all as gift and rich provision, opportunities to bless others and honoring God with our, with our resources, because they aren't our resources, they belong to God. This is good stuff. We don't have to keep score, we don't have to earn points, we don't have to hold back or twist arms. I hope this sermon series over the next few weeks sets you free to discover the blessings of generous living to learn to give it all away because it was never ours in the first place. Second, we are going to be biblical and transparent when we talk about money around Faith Lutheran Church. Tithes and offerings and giving alms, it's all voluntary. We're not going to appeal to vanity or legacy or reputation, and we're not going to devour any widow's households. We're not going to use threats or, or, um, or um, worry tactics. We will preach stewardship. We will preach generous living. We will preach about spiritual growth and the role that how we manage our finances is related to and a sign of spiritual maturity. I want to keep getting better at talking about money, talking about stewardship, tithes and offerings. I want us to consider how it is that we honor God with our money and how God blesses us with what is entrusted to us. Third, let's consider the generous all-in nature of God. God is a widow who gives away her last two cents. God is a father who throws a party for his prodigal son. God is a shepherd who leaves the 99 behind to look for the one lost sheep. God is a savior who dies on the cross to demonstrate God's amazing love for you. And number four, if this is the nature of God, then let this also be a mark of this congregation. Could generous living be a core value of faith as we seek to carry out God's mission and grow into the people God envisions us to be and become? May it be so.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you'll check out our website, www.faithshelton.org, and you can learn more about the God of Faith Lutheran Church, the one who's revealed in Jesus Christ, the God who created you, who loves you, has a purpose for your life. You can sign up for our weekly emails, like us on Facebook, subscribe to this podcast, you know the drill. Thank you, Chaz, for your production work on this podcast every week. And we close with the same prayer that we opened with. We give thee but thine own, whatever the gift may be. All that I have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. May we thy bounties thus as stewards true receive, and gladly, as thou blessest us, to thee our first fruits give. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mm-hmm.